Hello again, it's your friendly neighborhood host, J.T. Wheatley, back for another episode of History of Comics podcast, this time with the life of Tom Gill, comic book artist and teacher. It has been said that those who stop teaching also stop learning, and with this podcast, my mission has always been to share the knowledge of the comic book medium and those that help create it. However, one of the consistent joys of doing this is learning new things about along the way. One in particular was the name Tom Gill, a noted teacher at the School of Visual Arts who himself was also an accomplished artist, with many considering his run on the Lone Ranger for Dale Comics one of the definitive adaptations of the character. Simply put, he was someone who went against the phrase, those that can't do, teach, as Tom Gill could clearly do both. Tom Gill was born on uh, June 13, 1913 in Brooklyn, New York City, New York. His grandfather, Frank Bollinger, came from France and would later move to the United States, where he became a successful butcher in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Tom Gill's uh, Uncle Herb helped put up the first telephone poles on Maryland's eastern shore while his Uncle Joe Bill introduced kangaroos to the United States. As for himself, Tom Gill would show an aptitude for drawing at an early age to the point that his Uncle Frank would pay him a dime for sketches while his Aunt Joe prepared dinner. Tom Gill taught himself how to draw and would joke later the only illustrating classes he ever attended were the ones he taught. However, he also credited uh, this as making him a better teacher as his classes were unstructured, allowing for students to be less uninhibited, thus learning uh, and performing faster. He credited his skill with having a gift for hand-eye coordination. Later in life, for practice, Tongo would have his son model women's clothing, but eventually he was able to work on memory due to meet deadlines. Tomgo started work at the New York Daily News in the mailroom in 1932, which he took because there was not an opening in the art department for 10 years, so he took whatever he could get. However, once an opening in the art department did come, Gill immediately got to it. Thankfully, he was able to get get on on on-the-job training working there, and soon was working in the art department where he would draw a map of Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, as part of a report of the Japanese bombing of the U.S. naval base there. This would be a bit of a challenge as Gill, like many Americans at the time, had never heard of Pearl Harbor until that day or even knew where it was. However, because the attack happened on a Sunday, it meant that there was only a skeleton crew at the paper, thus Gill was able to get the job. Abe Greenberg, the Sunday picture editor for the New York Daily News, gave him the assignment, which he had to finish by 5 p.m. that day. Providing maps for the Daily News would become one of his main jobs during World War II, along with providing his big break in the art department at the paper. In 1940, Tom Gill worked at Fox Comics in the infamous Victor Fox, with his earliest known comic book work being Wonder World Comics number 13 of May of 1940, where he penciled and inked the, the feature of The Scientist Haunted House for K-54. One Spies at War. He would then work at Al for How Harvey at Harvey Comics, along with Blue Boat Comics from 1944 to 1946, and Target Comics in the mid 1940s. Gill also provided three stories for Jungle Comics in 1941, along with working on Wing Comics by the same publisher. In 1946, Tom Gill sold his comic strip, Flower Pots, about a cab driver, in the, the New York City New York Herald Tribune. Tom Gill would say the advantage of being a comic strip artist was that you can usually well receive in the public, since it, it was seen like non-threatening occupation. That same year, Tom Gill was invited to join the National Cartoonist Society by Milton Caniff, with Al Poston later asking him to join the USO tour in 1952 for a month, where he went to uh, then-France-occupied Morocco. Gill would become known for leaving drawings for soldiers throughout his tour. Bill Raskin would later call Tom Gill the NCS's worst driver. 
Around 1950, when an unknown writer, Tom Go co-created the Native American Western character Red Warrior for Atlas Comics, the future Marvel Comics, drawing most of the stories for the six-issue series that lasted from January to December of 1951, along with all the covers except the last one. It would not be the Gill's first foray into Western comics, as he was about to seize upon adapting one of the most popular Western heroes in the entire genre. On January 31st of 1933, George Trindle and Frank Stryker created The Lone Ranger for the radio, premiering on WXYZ station about a masked gunslinger and his Native American sidekick Tonto as they righted the wrongs throughout the Old West. The show was an instant success, running for nearly 3,000 episodes and spawning its numerous adaptations that would continue to this day, from film serials to comic strips. Dell Comics originally reprinted those strips into the comic book format, as many comic books did at the time, but by issue number 38, August of 1951, they decided to employ writer Paul S. Newman and Tom Gill to produce original stories for the comic book. Gill would have a celebrated run as the artist, drawing every issue till number 145 on July of 1962 for 107 issues over 11 years, one of the longest runs by any comic book artist on the series. The Lone Ranger comic was co-produced by Western Publishing, who would later sever ties with Dell, while Gill's work on the series would become so popular that when he was on, US, on the USO tour in Korea, the Marines on base convinced him, i.e. kidnapped him, to paint the Lone Ranger's image on one of their ceilings at the base. The Western genre would ultimately become Tom Kill's specialty, working not just on the Lone Ranger, but also Silver, the Lone Ranger's uh, famous horse, and Tonto spinoffs. Gale also worked on an adaptation of the TV show Bonanza in the equine tie-in series Fury. Of note, despite Gill's later uh, world travels, he rarely ventured west at the time and thus had little experience seeing actual horses. Instead, he credited his ability to, do, to draw them to, to a book he bought for a dollar, How to Draw Horses is Fun and Easy. Gill would later explain that when drawing the low ranger's horse silver, you had to draw him majestically, with his head held high and the mane always flowing. Outside of the Lone Ranger and Western comics, Tom Gill will work in other genres, such as the 1948 comic strip Ricky Stevens, along with working with Harvey Comics and Toby Press. Additional work he did for Western publishing was children's books and the Man from Uncle tie-in books, an adaptation of the classic TV show. Tom Gill toured for the uh, National Cartoon Society during their USO tour. Leaving from New York City on May 16, 1956, he performed at the Alaskan military base, which is notable since at the time the territory was campaigning for statehood. There was some confusion at the times, as at one point the troops thought that the USO was bringing strippers over comic strip artists and went so far as to have a stage built and everything. The trip was even more eventual with, with, uh, eventful with uh, bus crashes, criminals, and Gil even suffering a dislocated shoulder. Overall, the military greatly appreciated using comic book artists as they provided art for the soldiers along with the uh, stories that they could write back home about. As part of the tour, Tom Gill and the other officers would be given a GS-15 rating, though they had no idea what to do with it. Of course, before working as a cartoonist and entertaining the troops, Tom Gill was about to embark on another significant part of his career, teaching. In 1948, Bernie Hogarth and Silas Rhodes formed the Cartoonist and Illustrator's School, later renamed the School of Visual Arts in 1957. It would be a school that would figure huge in the Gill's later career. Tom Gill joined the school after a speaking engagement, which came about when he answered an ad in the New York Times that his wife brought attention to for a job at the cartoonist and illustrator's school. Originally, Tom Gill told the school that he didn't have time to teach, but we were willing to speak to prospective students about how really 
how hard it really was to be a syndicated comic book artist, which the school welcomed. Soon, Gil was speaking to 30 veterans using the GI Bill for their schooling, which included one, only one woman, a WAC sergeant. Gill stated he was honest about being a comic strip artist, emphasizing the long hours and frustrations of writing and drawing a comic book strip. Apparently, this impressed the students who went to the cartoons and illustrators' school board asking for Gill to be hired full-time. The school director, Silas Rhodes, called Gill, and despite his protests, Rhodes convinced him to seek help with other commitments to take up the teaching position. With the help of his assistant, Jimmy Christensen, and his wife, Lolly, Tom Gill was able to free up two days a week. Thus, he embarked onto a teaching career that would last for 53 years. Gill would ultimately teach 2,500 students over five colleges he taught at, many of whom went on to be high achievers, such as Tom Darcy, who won the Pulitzer Prize for editorial cartooning in 1970. Gill would later commit that teaching ran in his family, with his cousins, aunts, and even his own children becoming teachers at some point or another. One cousin in particular, Joe Califano, would serve as Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare under the Carter administration. As a teacher, Tom Gill was also managed to recruit Harvey Kurtzman and Will Eisner to teach at the School of Visual Arts as well, and he himself would later be named Teacher for Life there. Gill believed in the motto, Share What You Know, which inspired his teaching career and would regularly use his students as assistants as well. Future legends Herb Trimpey and Joe Sinop provided backgrounds for his Lone Ranger strip for a time. Tom Gill greatly enjoyed being a teacher, saying it was one of the great joys of his life and was passing on his skills to following generations. One student he finally remembered was Jimmy Christensen, who originally was a high school sophomore and neighbor's boy who Gill brought on as an assistant after school, tasked with keeping his studio in order. Gill was able to pay him so much doing so that Christensen was able to quit his uh, 6 a.m. paper route. Gill later got his, uh, him a job at the New York Daily News, his art department, as a copy boy, and he was so talented they didn't want to keep him on full time, but Christensen chose to return to school instead. Gill will use this story as, as an illustration of saying, if you want to learn something, teach it. As with teaching Jim Christensen to draw, it made him a better illustrator himself. It would be a lesson he carried throughout his entire teaching and penciling career. As part of the National Cartoonist Society, Tom Gill would enjoy get-togethers at Fred Warren's, which he repeated once a year for 35 years. The game room was doubled as a cartoon room due to the many drawings from the numerous cartoonists that visited there. As the meetings progressed, the group progressed to uh, softball matches, which Gill noted they only won when they had ho- baseball Hall of Famer Rabbit uh, Marinville on their team. The cartoonists would do better at golf outings, while Gill noted that Frank Frazetta, a natural athlete, usually won, beating out the likes of Mort Walker, Stan Drake, and Leonard Starr. Their children were even invited to the Warrings, with Gill's son especially liking their pool. Fred Waring would later dedicate a song to Tom Gill's family when they were visiting Lake Tahoe. When Gill later joined the Lambs Club, he wasn't surprised to learn Waring had been a major backer in turning him into a premier theatrical comp- club in the country. Gill would, great- Gill would greatly enjoy the NCS, serving as vice president several times. Tom Gill loved New York City, through his- though his USO tour took him throughout the world. He would comment that Tokyo was the busiest city he ever visited. He also claimed to recognize the gender of cities, calling New York, Los Angeles, and Tokyo male cities, while Paris, San Francisco, and Athens were female. However, he would later sell his house in Cape Cod to move to Southersville, Maryland. The Gill family would later return to New York City after two years that was better for his career, where they would then move to Rockville Center. It would be their home for the next 25 years. 
Gill's work ethic would be well known, drawing six days a week for 10 hours a day, with writing reverts for Sunday. His neighbors in Rockville would joke that when they came home at night and noticed his studio lights were off, they knew it was real late until the next day. Tom Gill would later join the Lambs Club, located at Rockville Center, Long Island, where he was invited by Monty Brennan of uh, World Winkle. It was there he met the legendary comedian Jonathan Winters, who asked him what he did for a living. Gill answered he was a cartoonist, with Winters replying that he was one too when he wasn't a comic, and he originally thought Gill was a producer. The Lambs Club would be one of the formal meeting places for the National Cartoonist Society, where he would personally witness the infinite feud between Ham Fisher, creator of Joe Palooka, and now Cap, his former assistant and creator of Lil Abner. Tom's Gill's son would later become a lawyer and his daughter a speech therapist. Neither ever saw a desire to be an artist, with Gill joking it was probably because they observed him and his colleagues working to me all-nighters to stay on schedule. In 1958, Gill went on a USO NCS tour in Japan and later Korea, where he and his fellow cartoonists had a GS-15 rating again. He would note that traveling from military base to military base took away from the feeling of traveling around the world, as all the bases were designed the same. Gill would have an interesting experience in Korea when he was introduced to the Slickly Boys, our local thieves infamous for robbing travelers of their luggage, reportedly they could empty an entire baggage car in two minutes. As a result, the luggage for any trip was usually placed in front, of the, in front with the guards. However, a local army officer did point out to Gil that they never messed with the Turkish soldiers, as if they did, the Turks would castrate them. At one point, the Slickly Boys got so bad, Gil and his fellow USO soldiers had to travel by helicopter. They even got introduced to the local store they sold out the stolen goods, which was near the DMZ, the Dematerialized Zone, a mile-long stretch along the border of North and South Korea that remains to this day. The store was nicknamed J.C. Penny and became so popular the owner actually had, the name, had his name changed legally to J.C. Penny so the actual department store couldn't sue him. For additional excitement during Tom Gill's performance near the DMZ, he later noticed that he had snipers to protect him as North Korean infiltrators were known to try to interfere with the show's... Reportedly, Bob Hope got the same treatment. It was also in Korea that some soldiers commandeered and kidnapped Gil into painting the Lone Ranger on the ceiling of their training base. They originally wanted him the riding a horse, but Gil was able to get them to settle for uh, the head of the Lone Ranger saying, Hi yo, Marines. Tom Gil did make a point during his USO tours to never miss his Sunday Mass, which was usually in a non-denominational chapel military members of all ranks attended. Thanks to his growing popularity on the Lone Ranger, Tom Gill would have a chance to meet numerous U.S. presidents over the years. Tom Gill especially remembered meeting President Harry Truman, who was known for hanging framed uh, editorial cartoons on the wall in the Oval Office. When he met President Truman, it was with fellow legendary cartoonist Rube Goldberg, and they couldn't help but notice that Goldberg's own cartoon benoting the election of Truman was hanging on the wall. Rube Goldberg was a noted Republican. Truman reportedly said to Goldberg, Rube Goldberg, you old SOB, what would the New York Sun do without you? Which Goldberg replied, probably go Democrat. Tom Go also met President Eisenhower at Columbia University, though his, his appointments got mixed up that day, resulting in a short meeting, which Eisenhower was upset about as he very, wanted, very much wanted to meet Gill. In 1964, Tom Gill won the Salon T-Square Award, and in 1970, he won the Best Comic Book Artist. Tom Gill would later work for Gold Key Comics on their Baroness uh, comic, and then would, would Superman co-creator Jerry Siegel on The Owl in 1967 and 1968 with solo issues, which is a revival of the 1940 character created by Frank Thomas. In 1969, Tom Gill was named the alumni director of the School of Visual Arts and was served as a consultant in the 21st century.
Tom Go would later be part of the Bandits Toast Gang with Walter Barnard, Lil Arns, and Bill Lionett. Teaching would continue to be a part of Tom Gill's life and career, and he would teach until 2003 at Westchester Community College. In 2004, Tom Gill won the Ink Pot Award at the San Diego Comic Con. Tom Gill died on October 19, 2005, at the age of 92 from heart failure in Croton O. Hudson, New York, survived by his wife and children. And that is a rambling and too brief biography of Tom Gill, one of the comic book's most talented artists and teachers. Despite already having a full career as one of the best Western artists in the business, he went on to pass his knowledge on, as a teacher, inspiring other legends like Eisner and Kurtzman to do the same. He truly was the exception to saying, those that can't do, teach. Tom Gill could clearly do both when it came to comic books. I would like to thank the chief source for this episode, The Misadventures of the Roving Cartoonist, The Low Ranger's Secret Sidekick by Tom Gill and Tim Lazeski, which is a legend, which is legendary artist details his career on military tours. A great read for any fan of the artist. Look, we gotta talk. Yeah, Thunder Talk. We're going all kinds of sideways with that sweet nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. It's topical. Political. Dare I say radical. We've got all your latest news and reviews. Hot music. And a whole lot of comedy. But it ain't for kids. Definitely mature content. So let's talk. Let's talk Thunder Talk. Thunder Talk is a proud member of the ESO Network. And now it's September 28th, uh, 2023. Time for the favorite comic of the week. Invincible Iron Man, uh, number 10 by Gary Dugan and uh, Jean Ferreri, which is the, uh, the, the much-hyped wedding between Tony Stark and Emma Frost, though it doesn't quite go as planned. As, uh, as uh, people have guessed, it's actually a ruse for them to fool Faye Long to get some, uh, send some information out of them, though it may be a little more realistic as these two are actually growing pretty fond of each other, but they make a pretty good team. I love what Dugan does with these two characters. Tony Stark, I mean, and Emma Frost, White Queen, they actually make a pretty good match, and they seem to really play with each other, actually like each other. And you can actually see some affection happening here, too, where I like to, yeah, this, this is a parent I like to see more of and see where this story goes, because they make... Look at that. They can make a fun couple, and uh, yeah, I'm also all for anything that integrates the larger X universe into the, into the Marvel universe in general. Because I don't like the fact they've been separated for so long. Might be a metaphor of what's happening in the mutant, with the mutants right now, and would follow X to begin with. But uh, it's matched by Wong Vergeri's uh, great art, and his great designs on the Iron Man's armor and his uh, and the action sequences. So all in all, this is like probably my favorite of the many plots that are coming out of Fall of X because. I like this pairing. They're fun, and I want to see where it goes. And uh, with that, that concludes this episode of the History Comics Podcast. Join me again next week for another episode. And until then, go out and enjoy yourself. A good podcast. A good comic book.